0: I'm Bishop Sherman Young. Each week, the Word Break podcast answers questions about God, faith, and other spiritual issues. Here is this week's message. Would you say character? And that has to do with being truthful and being dependable. A person who is not truthful has bad character. A person who is not dependable has bad character. Character means that you tell the truth and you are where you're supposed to be when you said that you would be there. But then there's also competence. Would you say competence? We have to make a commitment that we never stop growing. That's why we encourage the high school graduates to keep going. It doesn't have to be college. It may be vocational school. It may be business school. It may be where you go to the military. But It's important that we never stop growing. In this world that's changing every day, when technologies are being developed and yesterday's technologies are becoming obsolete, it's important that you know how to do more with technology than play a video game. However, video gaming has now become the newest level of scholarship. So for those who are good at video games, they're receiving scholarships to go to college. That's because technology is so important. The cell phone that you own is uh, really a computer in your purse or pocket. The last thing that it is is a phone. The technology for the phone, the microphone, and the speaker has not been improved in 20 years. But the cameras, the abilities to go online and other things are being enhanced every year. Well, commitment, would you say commitment? Not only must I be a person of good character, a person of competence, but then I need to understand the value of making and living up to my commitments. That's one thing that's lacking in today's world. People don't have loyalty like they used to. People join something and drop out, or they join something and they don't help to build it up. I regret that most people join things today for what they think the organization can do for them rather than what they can do for the organization. It's also true at church. People run to the church that can benefit them the most rather than become a benefit to the ministry. But commitment is important. I believe that wherever your name is, you ought to be there. If you can't be there, have your name taken down. But don't ever lack in having commitment, character, competence, and commitment. Today, I want to talk to you about the most destructive thing in life. It's called pride. Pride. P-R-I-D-E. The problem with pride. Now, there is a type of pride that is right, and that's the kind of pride that causes us to comb our hair and get our hair done, to put our best look out there, to clean ourselves up before we leave home, to keep our homes, our yards clean, to keep our cars clean, to make sure that we improve on our grammar and to make sure that we're always growing. That pride is right. And we should all have that type of pride. Your body is your first stewardship. God gave you a body. You couldn't have got it anywhere else other than God. And because God has given us a body, then we owe it to God to bring back to him the best body that we can bring to him. That is pride. That is right. You ought to take pride in your work. You should take pride in your church service. You ought to take pride in your family, your family's name. Pride is important. But there is another kind of pride, and that is the pride that is destructive. Let's read Proverbs 16, as I've given it to you in verse 5. Proverbs 16 and verse 5. You have it from the Amplified Bible. Can we read it in concert all over the auditorium? Let's read together. Everyone who is proud and arrogant in heart is disgusting and exceedingly offensive to the Lord be assured he will not go unpunished let's read that again I'll read it to you everyone who is proud and arrogant in, his, in heart in heart it's very important is disgusting and exceedingly offensive to the Lord. Be assured, he will not go unpunished. Proverbs 16:18, 18, verse 18. Will you read that with me with full voices? Come on. Pride goes before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. Go to wherever any person has fallen, and step back one hour, and you'll find pride. Pride is what brings people down. Blessed people can fall because of pride. Saved people can fall because of pride. It doesn't matter whether you're a preacher, a teacher, a missionary worker. It doesn't matter whether you are a school teacher or you work in some philanthropic organization. It doesn't matter if you're good to children and good to old people. Pride can bring you down. And pride has always brought people down. And it's important that we recognize that. First of all, let's understand what pride is about. Pride ruined the human race. You remember the story in Genesis chapter 3? The Bible said that the serpent came to the woman and he tempted her through the fruit that was in the garden on the forbidden tree. I want to read some of it to you for emphasis. You may want to follow in Genesis chapter 3. Because before Genesis 3, everything was perfect. Everything on earth was perfect. There was no such thing as sickness or pain or death or crying or sadness. There was no such thing as low self-esteem or stress or problems or pressure. Everything on the earth was perfect. Now here's what the Bible says in Genesis chapter 3. It says, now the serpent was more cunning or subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Now that is the devil talking through the serpent. That is not the serpent talking on his own. The devil is using the serpent. You say, well, why would he use the serpent? Why not use a lion? Or why not use a bear? Or why not use a tiger? Or why not use a whale? Why use the serpent? Because it said the serpent was more subtle. The serpent was more cunning. Whenever the devil uses anybody, he always wants to use the best and the brightest. Even the devil doesn't want you if you're lazy. I wish I had some help. Even the devil doesn't want you if you're unproductive. Even the devil doesn't want you if you have nothing to contribute. The smarter you are, the more of a candidate you are for the devil to trouble your life. When you are wise, when you are brilliant, when you are dedicated, when you are strong... That's when the enemy wants to come in. Jesus said to Peter in the upper room, Simon, Simon, Satan desires to have you that he may sift you as wheat. Well, why would he want Peter, Simon Peter? He already had Judas. Why not just work in Judas? Judas didn't have much influence. Why does he want Peter? Have you read up on Peter? Peter always spoke up when everybody else was quiet. Peter always volunteered when everybody else stood back. Peter was always bold and he would stand for whatever he believed in. That's who the enemy wants. The enemy is looking for the person with the biggest mouth. I wish I had some help. He's looking for the person with the most influence. He's looking for the person that will bring more people with them than the other person. He looks for a person with pride. The serpent was the most subtle, subtle of any of the beasts that God has made. And he said, so we learn from that verse that at one time, even the serpent could talk before man fell. The serpent had a voice. Not only that, but later on in the chapter we read where God cursed him to crawl on the ground. So not only could he talk, he could walk. The snake could walk. And talk, and the snake said to the woman, or the devil using the snake, verse 2. The woman said to the serpent, we may eat of all the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it lest you die. You see where it said in the midst of the garden. Now that word has two definitions. One definition means in the center of the garden. But the second definition means elevated in the center. When Eve went for the fruit, she didn't just reach out. She had to step up. She stepped up. Everybody say that. She what? Step. She stepped up to get it. That's a symbol of pride. She stepped up to get it. She had to reach upward. It was elevated in the midst of that garden. And then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that in the day that you eat, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Now look at the verse. You will not surely die. For God knows that in the day that you you eat of it, your eyes will be opened. Check this out. And you, woman, you, Eve, will be like God, knowing good and evil. That's pride. That's pride. Playing God is pride. Playing God in your life is pride. Playing God rather than praying to God is pride. Displaying your godliness rather than depending on the God who made you is pride. And pride is any time I take my own life, my own destiny into my own hands. And then turn and ask God to bless what I've decided to do. Rather than ask God what his will is for my life, I read off to God what my will is for my life and ask him would he please get involved. That is pride. Let me try that again. In too many cases what we do in prayer is try to get our will done in heaven. Rather than in prayer, let God's will be done through us on the earth. God has a master plan. Come on, can you say master plan? God has a master plan. I fit somewhere in the master plan. I have to be careful that I do it God's way rather than try to get God to do it my way. If anything can be said about the playoff series, it might be something that can be said about watching a team play against one man. Perhaps, and I know there are some Cavaliers fans here, but the truth is that when you just got one star and you just keep on talking and talking and talking and talking about that one star, but when you got another group that plays as a team, you see, teamwork is important. It's not about me, it's about the team. Let me try that again, you're not getting it. See, God is not in the business of making me famous. God blesses me for his namesake. God uses you for his namesake. God shows you off, not so that you can shine, but so that he can shine through you pride says i want god to do what i want god to do therefore i'm gonna decide where i'm gonna live i'm gonna decide my career i'm gonna decide my marriage i'm gonna decide and i'm gonna include the lord just in case he wants to sponsor me i wish i had a witness here would you repeat after me god is not my sponsor No, God is not here to advertise me. So, pride brought down the human race. But then 1 Peter 5 and 5 says this. God resists the pride, but gives grace to the humble. Can I borrow you? Can I borrow you? Here's what the verse means. Resist, 1 Peter 5 and 5. Would you repeat after me? God resists the pride. Yes, God resists the proud and he gives grace to the humble. Now here's what the verse means. Now, now you see him standing here. He represents you. I represent God. Now here's what's happened. He has a, de- a destination in mind. But I, because I saved him, I have a plan for him. He has a plan. I got a plan. Guess who the biggest boy in this fight is? I don't have a witness here. When the Bible said God resists the proud, it actually means he stiff arms you. It actually means when you try to get by, he won't let you by. Have you noticed that you haven't been able to succeed in some areas? Have you noticed that no matter how much money you save that no matter how many connections you make notice that no matter how many contacts you have every time you think you're going to get there something seems to keep you from getting there? Because what's happening is because God saved you he loves you because he loves you although you want to get somewhere he will actually stand in your way and resist you getting to where you need to go. I wish I had a witness. It's not that God whispers in your ear. This is what we think. No, you can't go. I don't want you to go. No. He stiff arms you. He blocks you where you can't get by. Now you've got an idea. you got a goal. you got something you want to do. But you keep falling short. You say, I rebuke you, Satan. But you still keep getting blocked. Now, you know you've got rebuking power. How come your rebuker ain't working? It's not working because it's not Satan in your way. I don't have a witness here. Listen, I'm covered in the blood of Jesus. I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. I wish I had some help. I've got angels all around me on 24-hour shift. Listen, the devil can't hinder you. The devil can't stop you. The devil can do you no harm, but God. So he resists the proud, but gives grace. What is grace? I'm glad you asked. Grace is the power of God to meet your need. You say, well, grace is the unmerited favor of God. Yes, it is. And it is the power of God to take care of your needs. I've known people who could sit in sick rooms for hours. I'm not one of those people. You know why? I'm not graced to do that. There are people that I know that are major praise leaders. You know, I'm not one. You know why? I'm not graced to do that. This minister of music here is renowned. He's well known. He's established. He moves and flows in many areas. He is graced to do that. Now he can come over here and preach because he's a preacher, but I can't go over there and play that Hammond. I don't have the skills to do that. So he gives grace to the humble. What are you trying? Whatever you're trying to do in your life, you need you need God's grace to get it done. Come on now. Now, there's a little teaching going around that it bothers me, and that's about favor. And, and people have confused favor with favoritism. And people think because you get a breakthrough that that's favor. Listen, every one of us is in the favor of God. So when I got up this morning, I asked God to give me favor. Honey, you favor favored every, every day. It's not a day in your life as a child of God you're not favored. Don't you swallow that to think that, well, I got to get special favor in order to get something done. The grace on you is sufficient. I don't have a witness. That's what Paul said. Paul said, I prayed and asked God. I prayed three times. Remove this thorn from my flesh. God said, no, my grace is sufficient. Now, that's a man that wrote half the New Testament, organized churches all around the Mediterranean coast. That's a man that the very sweat rags he used as a tent maker was used for people to put on their sick bodies and it made them well. And yet this man said, I asked God for something special. He said, no, you've already got all that you need. So let's talk about what is pride. It is, number one, an attitude of independence from God. Would you say that? An attitude of independence from God. Tell your neighbor, watch your attitude. You know, attitude really does determine altitude. That's just not something they made up for children. Attitude really determines altitude. You you can have every degree that a school offers. But if you got a bad attitude, you can't keep a job. No, sir. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. And please still opens more doors than anything else. It's attitude that keeps us in the zone for success and blessing. But number two, pride is a spirit of ungratefulness. I don't know. I've been going to church all my life. I have always been amazed at people who can't praise the Lord. Because you ought to have a spirit of gratefulness. I mean, just to come in the door on Sunday morning is a blessing in and of itself. Do you know how many thousands upon thousands of people wish they could be here today? But they're laying in nursing home beds, hospital beds. Some are in jail, some are in the penitentiary, some are in prison. And you're not here because you've been so good. If the law enforcement checked on most of us, half of us would be in jail somewhere. It is a blessing to walk through the door. I was glad when they said to me, come on, let's go to the house of the Lord. I'm, I'm, I'm disappointed that too many of my brothers and sisters are glad when they get other invitations, but they're never glad when it comes to going to church. Well, we're going to have a party Friday night. What time? I'll be there. They'll go out and buy a whole new outfit. I don't have a witness here. If they're going to the civic center for a concert, they're going to get their nails done, their toes done, their hair done. I wish I had a witness. Get it sewn in, glued in, whatever you do. They're going to buy a new outfit. They're going to get their makeup done professionally. They want to get pictures taken. They're going to selfie all evening long. But when it comes to going to church, you got to ask them over and over and over and over. And then they drag through the door. Listen, the biggest party going on in town is not at the Civic Center. It's at the House of God. Because at the House of God, I don't need nothing but to just step in the door. When I go to the concert, the music got to be good for me to get into it. Sometime at the concert, you get a contact high. Because you got to have that in order to feel good. But when I get to the church, I'm already on a high. I wish I had a witness here. And the reason I'm on a high is because I made a decision that praise is what I do. Praise is who I am. It's not something that I practice because you ought to do it. I do it because God has been good to me. And when I realized if it hadn't have been for the Lord on my side... I wouldn't know where I was or what I was when I realized that every breath I take, he gives to me. Every day that I live, he gives to me. I decided to give him my life as a praiser. Are any praisers in the house? Listen, there are those who praise, but there are others who are praisers. I think think I'll tell on myself. I eat, but I don't cook. Let me try that again. I eat, but I don't cook. Now, I make the best steaks you've ever tasted. Was that pride? I eat, but I don't cook. Now, because I don't cook, you think I ain't going to eat? See, some of y'all cook and eat. You're cooks. I'm not a cook. I eat. Some folk praise, but they're not praisers. Let me try it again. Are there any praisers in the house? The truth is, if the organ wasn't turned on and the drummer didn't show up, I could still have just a good a time. I don't have to have a soundtrack. I ain't got to have a musician. I don't have to have a praise leader. I know what God has done. And when I come to the house of God, because I'm a praiser, my praise automatically kicks in. So a spirit of pride when, 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 you're, when you got pride, you have a spirit of ungratefulness. But then when you don't have, when, when, you, when, when you talk about pride, it's esteeming others, ourselves rather, better than others. Now, some people brag on their abilities. Like a certain preacher I know that bragged on cooking steaks. Oh, I can do it. You need a song? Oh, I can sing it. You need a welcome? Oh, yes, I, I've done that for many years. Oh, yes, I, I can lead. I, I can lead the custodial of I, I've, I've done that for many years. Listen, when, when you talk like that, that's pride. Now you say, "Well, that's self confidence." No, you, you're actually putting yourself above others. The truth is, it's a privilege to serve anywhere. In the house of God. Now a proud person. Becomes irritated. When corrected. You can recognize a proud person. Because they are defensive. You can't really teach them. Because they know what to do. They get irritated. When you think you can correct them. And then they begin to let you know who they are. The next, thing, next thing about a proud person, they accept praise for things over which they have no control. Now, ladies, if a man tells you you're beautiful, you know, don't let that go to your head because you ain't got no control over that. No more than you'd have control over being ugly. Let me try it again. See, you're beautiful because your mama and daddy, you know, did what mamas and daddies do, and your, your beauty was the result of those genes and all that other stuff. So I don't no need you getting arrogant because you're cute. You ain't have nothing to do with it. All you did was show up and grow up. I wish I had a witness here. But you find people taking pride over stuff over which they have no control. Girl, you sure look good. And now all of a sudden, when you walk in every door, you want all the heads to turn. You didn't have any control over that. Don't accept praise that doesn't belong to you. Somebody said to me once, you know, you're strange. He said, you, you know, we, we try to say things about you and you don't, you don't even comment. We try to say things about the sermon, you don't comment. Right here in this house one day. He said, well, you know, we're giving you an anniversary and we look around and people are clapping and you looking down. He said, you, you're <laughs> blushing. Are you shy? No, I'm not shy. If there, if, if there is an anointing on my life to be a preacher, I can't take no credit for that. Are you hearing what I'm saying? If I can put a good sermon together, if I can deliver a word from God, praise God for that. Listen, when you leave church, you ought not go away talking about how awesome the preacher is. You ought to go away talking about how awesome the God is that the preacher talked about. Because my job is not to direct you to me. It ain't about the pastor, it's about the master. And in too many churches, you got people that are heaping up praise for the preacher, but they forget that whatever the preacher can do, it's a divine enablement. A proud person is an ungrateful, they have an ungrateful spirit. Some people you have to remind to say thank you. Help us, Lord. Some people you have to remind to say thank you. Come on, brothers. It's just like when you open the door for the lady and she just walked through, don't even look at you. And and you know what the brother said? Thank you. What's he doing? Reminding her, you ought to at least be polite. I wish I had a witness. The truth is that we ought to have a spirit of gratefulness at all times. I said at all times. You ought to be grateful for the servant in the restaurant that brought you a glass of water. Although the water is free, you still ought to thank them for it just as if you were paying $50 for every glass they brought you. That's a spirit of gratitude. You ought to have a spirit of gratitude no matter what the situation or the circumstance. Even when the police officer pulls you over because you're doing 70 in a 45 mile an hour zone. When he walks up to the car or she walks up to the car, you ought to say, good morning, officer. Thank you for stopping me. (laughs) So why would you say thank you for that? Because you could have killed somebody or you could have killed yourself. Are you so arrogant to think that because you're running late, if anybody interrupts you, they ought to pay the price? (laughs) Honey, you can get out of more tickets being nice then you can be an arrogant. A proud person is competitive. I said they're competitive. Oftentimes a proud person is competing with people that don't even know they exist. But they're so competitive until whatever they do, they do it with this idea, I have to win, I have to do it, I have to be right, I'm perfect, I'm not like other people, I'm better than other people, and that's pride. Lastly, pride can devastate your life. Why? I'm glad you asked in a few areas. Number one, according to the Bible, pride defies God. We read that verse earlier. Verse 18 said, everyone who is proud and arrogant in his heart uh, is disgusting and exceedingly offensive to the Lord. Be assured, he will not go unpunished. Unpunished? unpunished and then we read that second verse that said pride goes before destruction so is the punishment destruction it said and a haughty spirit before a fall what is that about it doesn't mean that god will cancel your salvation it's not like that it means that when you're full of pride you are defying what god wants us to be about The Bible teaches God wants us to be humble. It said he gives more grace to the humble. God wants us to prefer others before ourselves. The Bible said God wants us to provoke one another to good works. He wants us to be forgiving. I wish I had a witness. He wants us to be polite and cordial. He wants us to be mature in how we handle our situations. He wants us, you said, but pastor, you can't be that way. Folk will run over you. Listen, there's a difference in meekness and weakness. Where the Bible talks about blessed are the meek That's not talking about being weak That's talking about you standing on your ground Because you're sure of your relationship with God No, you don't let people run over you You tell people what's right And you tell them the truth It's not what you tell them It's the way that you tell them Pride defies God But secondly, pride defiles man When you talk about pride, it's one way towards God and then it's something else when you deal with man. Proverbs 21 verse 4. Proverbs 21 and 4 said pride defiles man. Proverbs 21 and 4 says this. Proverbs 21 and 4 says a haughty look, a proud heart, and the plowing of the wicked are sin. When you talk about pride, that is sin. The look, the heart is sin. When you talk about pride, pride is sin like hatred is sin. Pride is sin like deceit is sin. Pride defiles man. But then last of all, pride dis. life. Pride dishonors life. Read the word Proverbs 11 and 2 says this when it comes to pride. It says when pride comes then comes shame but with the humble is wisdom. Proverbs 15, 33 says in regards to pride the lot Proverbs sixteen thirty three says the fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom and before honor is humility. Pride dishonors life. Proverbs 18 and 12 says the following when it comes to that point. It says before destruction the haughty heart of a man or the heart of a man is haughty, and before honor is humility. Proverbs twenty nine twenty three says when it comes to the dishonoring of life in twenty nine and twenty three, it says a man's pride will bring him low, but the humble in spirit will retain honor. So there are two attitudes. There's the proudful attitude and there is the humble attitude. You will notice pride always takes you down. Humility always takes you up. Pride always destroys. Humility always elevates. Pride always cuts you off. Humility always opens doors. What we have to understand is that Jesus is our model in humility. The Bible said that he humbled himself. Do you know that Jesus is God in the human flesh? Do you know that Jesus is the son of God? Do you know that Jesus is God the son? Do you know that no matter what he was, he became like us? He left heaven and came to earth. He left wealth and came to poverty. He left the glory and the regality and the royalty of heaven and lived in the dirt and the dust and the slime of the earth. He humbled himself. Do you know he had the power to save himself? Do you know he had the power to rescue himself do you know he had the power to wipe out humanity but he submitted to our humanity he died like we die. look at him as you read about him what happens he gets hungry like we get hungry he got thirsty like we get thirsty he got tired like we get tired He slept like we sleep. He got betrayed like we get betrayed. He got denied like we get denied. And when they put him on the cross, he could have saved himself, but he humbled himself. Listen, he knew who he was. And because he knew who he was, he thought it was all right if he did what he did. I wish I had some help to understand he is our example. The truth is, if he could humble himself and be born in a barn, humble himself and grow up in the ghetto, humble himself and get hungry and have to sin for food, humble himself and die like he died, we ought to recognize that's the way to the resurrection. If you want to go up in life, you'll never get up in life stomping on other people standing on other people you'll never get up in life demeaning other people but if you want to go up you got to know how to go down on your bended knees you got to know how to seek God's will you got to know how to seek God's face you got to understand that the way to go up is to go down the way to be blessed is not to heap it to yourself but to give away what you already got because the Bible said it is more blessed to give than to receive. When you see Jesus in the word you're looking at one who is able. One who can do whatever he wants to do. But he submits to the will of God. And because he died,
1: he rose again from the dead. And I want to tell you, no matter what people do to you, truth crushed to the ground will always rise again. You know I've seen many good Fridays But I've never seen a good Friday That Easter Sunday didn't come right
0: behind it Whenever there's a crucifixion, there's gonna be a resurrection, and he rose because he had the right mind, he had the right spirit, he had the right attitude. And the Bible says,
1: Let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. I love the Lord he my cry when you see me standing here I was born in poverty I grew up on the south side I didn't have anything that I could call expensive I had no riches and I had no wealth but God I said but God now because God bless me I ain't got nothing to brag about because God blessed me. I don't have nothing to be a pride about. But I'm all about him. I said God did it all. Is there anybody here that will testify? He did it all. I said he did it all. I said God pick me up. Turn my life around won't he pick you up won't he turn your circumstance won't he turn your tears in the testimony won't he turn your darkness in today won't he turn your misery yes into a testimony he picked me up yes he did and he turned my life around glory to God hallelujah praise the Lord praise Lord, you know what I love? I love the fact that when I didn't know who I was, he knew me. When I didn't know right from wrong, he knew me. He touched me. I said he touched me. And oh, oh, the joy That fills my soul Something Happened And now I know He touched me ah!
0: Listen You wonder why I celebrate Because it was not me It was him You wonder why I celebrate Is because
1: I love him I know him and humility says if it had not been for the Lord on my side where would I be can anybody say yes Oh, oh. come on everybody stand up